a.m. East Lansing. You are listening to Impact Izzo, the student voice of Michigan State University basketball, bringing you news, updates, and more. I'm proud of myself to be relevant. Yeah, it's snow outside. What? is going on members of the Izone and welcome back to the Impact Izone podcast your one and only source for Michigan State men's basketball brought to you by Impact 89 FM WDBM a part of the Impact Sports Podcast Network it's me your man your guy Julian Mitchell in the hot seat once again for another episode season 6 episode 12 of Impact Izone and today you know the cast of characters just keeps switching it is really like the Avengers in here. We just keep getting new guys coming in, new Avengers, old Avengers, back and forth, back and forth. If you're a comic book guy, you would understand. But here with me today, start from my left, move over to my right here in Studio H, the man, the myth, the legend. Some people confuse him for Chris Fowler, Joey Ellis. Wow. Quite the intro there, Julian. For Chris Fowler. I mean, Quite the intro. Had to give him an intro. I mean, look at this guy right here. Look at him. Just shining in the light. <laughs> I mean, it is incredibly bright in here. I can barely see you, Julian. It, it doesn't help that this is an absolutely clear path from the sun straight into the studio. It's absurd. It, blinding almost every single member of the podcast yeah. right now. <laughs> Except for me. Big shouts out to the hosting chair. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan Cole. Uh, and then right in front of me, she's back once again. Took an episode off just to get some rest. Amanda Poole. <laughs> Glad to be back. That's perfect. That's perfect. And what do you do with that laughter? How do you how do you top that? I didn't I didn't know how to top that. I was gonna follow up with the out. how you doing, and then the laugh came in. I was like, okay, that's it. We don't. That's all. It's a rap, as they say. It's it's a rap, and you've heard his voice a couple times now. The one, the only, Kyle Turkey's making a return once again. Not a not a myth or a legend. Just just a man. Just a man. Just a man. <laughs> that's it. That's all you get. Turkey. That's all. That, that one's that one's off that's the all. that's off the dome. That is too. all you get. That's off the dome. <laughs> How you That's, doing, Julian? We gotta ask you how you're doing. You've asked us how you're, how we're doing. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Always checking out on me. I'm doing great. You know, yeah. it's a little cold. I thought about transferring to you know a school <laughs> in the south, but decided to stay here. Polar vortex. Love it. it they get it's you every wonderful. time. It gets you every time. Yeah, that global warming thing is ridiculous. <laughs> but either way, we're here to talk some Michigan State basketball, not global warming, and Julian, myself, Kyle, and Joey. We were all at Mackey Arena for. The last game for Michigan State, where they took, they went to the road, West Lafayette, Indiana, and they dropped their first game of the Big Ten season, finally ending their undefeated streak, ending their 13-game win streak. They lose to Purdue 73-63 at Mackey Arena. Some stats from that game. Cassius Winston, 23 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds, 7-14 from the field, 4-7 of seven from 3. Matt McQuaid chipped in with 12 points. And for Purdue, it was a balanced effort for them, but their main leading go- leading scorer was Ryan Klein with 17 points, 6 of 14 from the field, 5 of 10 from three-point. And guys, just to start it off, I, I want to get to your points, but to me, I wasn't surprised by this loss at all. If if I was to look at the schedule and look at a place where Michigan State would drop one, I think this is the game. Mackey Arena, a Purdue team wanting some revenge. Michigan State a little bit tired, still no Joshua Langford. I think like this was the game to drop, and... I don't think it was a huge loss necessarily for Michigan State. I think this is one you take and then you move on with the rest of the season. Well, yeah, Julian, we talked about it before the game that, I mean, Mackey Arena is as tough a place you'll find to play in the country in college basketball. And and obviously with what Purdue rolled in there, a little nice winning streak of their own. I mean, obviously they were out to spill a big-time upset of Michigan State. And, and we saw how that first half went. 
seemingly nothing seemed to go well there for the Spartans, and Purdue was pretty much just hitting everything. I can't remember how big their lead got up to in that first half. Maybe got bigger in the second half. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it I did. believe it was seventeen-ish at the half. You, well, don't, you don't just you don't do that and expect to win games. No, and that's a place that if if you're careless with the ball, like Michigan State was, especially in that half, you're not shooting well. And Purdue at home is shooting well. Things typically don't go your way, and that's kind of what we saw. And you know, it was another good effort from Matt McQuaid defensively. Carson Edwards, what he was able to do with him. I mean, that guy's still going to go out and get his points like he did towards the end of the game. But I mean, Purdue played tough, and they had some guys who typically don't show up on the stat sheet who did show up in that game and. And I think that was the difference. Yeah, you talk about Carson Edwards, Matt McQuaid on him. Edwards with 14 points, just 4 of 19 from the field, 3 of 11 from three-point land. I, I think, Amanda, that's kind of a big story of the game. And what Michigan State wanted to do was isolate Carson Edwards, take him out of the game, make everyone else beat him. And in that game against Purdue, everyone else ended up beating them. Ryan Klein with 17, Nojel Eastern with 12, Aaron Wheeler 11, 3 for 3 from three-point range, and then Matt Harms with 10. It was a collective effort for Purdue, which hasn't been the story of their season so far. Yeah, definitely. I think Michigan State as a team just, yeah, the situational idea of this whole thing is that, yeah, this game was the one to lose. But then again, I mean, Michigan State did terrible. They played terrible. I mean, they they did some great things, but I mean, they scored 19 points in the first half, which is the lowest output in a single half for this program since 2014. Ryan Cole, fun fact. (laughs) I feel like Ryan, when he always used to say weird stats like that but I mean that just goes to show that this team definitely lacked in the things that they normally do well in Um, especially with Langford out I think it just was a terrible game for them and good one for Purdue yeah big one she hit it she hit the nail on the head this was probably MSU's worst game that they've played so far this year third game in six days obviously can be chalked up as one of the reasons having two starters out is another reason but Purdue Purdue probably played their best game of the season, I'd say, because put those put those factors in play, and even with Edwards not necessarily scoring really well early, he still ended up taking 19 shots. I think McQuay definitely put in some solid work defensively on on Carson Edwards, but in 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 the in the total sum of the game, Purdue just got a bigger team effort, got more scoring from a lot of more different guys, and, and MSU you see two guys in double figures. Nick Ward went completely silent, and in a big-time environment like that, in a big-time game like that, you can't have your second-best player playing the way that Nick Ward did. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things I took away as well. Nick Ward just absolutely not there on the floor, and you're looking at this Michigan State team with no Joshua Langford in this one missing his eighth straight game to to not have him and then have Ward go silent and, I mean, Cassius Winston's doing everything he can, 23 points, but he's playing 30-plus minutes a game. He needs a secondary score, and Nick Ward is supposed to be that. That's been the talk of his junior season with that. He's a guy looking for the NBA draft, and to put up nine, it's pretty disappointing. And I don't think his season has been tremendously solid overall for him. It was a disappointing game for Ward coming off that 21-point game in Iowa City. I mean, he still got the same amount of shot attempts as he did in that Iowa game, but... Just like you said, he wasn't very productive, even on the glass, just three rebounds. And I mean, MSU was minus nine on the glass, which giving up 16 offensive rebounds doesn't really help your cause. And you don't see this Michigan State team give up a whole lot of offensive rebounds. I'm not sure what the exact stat is when they give up that many offensive rebounds or just get, you know, out rebound like any, that. Any team gives up that many offensive right. rebounds. You're not going to win a whole lot of ball games, especially on the road in a hostile environment. But Purdue showed that those Michigan State bigs can be exploited. I mean, between Eastern Harms and 
Travion Williams, they 25, 26 boards combined between those three. They absolutely dominated Michigan State down low, especially Nick Ward and Xavier Tillman. And, and don't get me wrong, a guy like Ward, I think, should be allowed to have an off game every now and then. It's just the problem is it came in a pretty tough environment in a pretty big-time game. You, you can get away with that if you're going to go play Iowa on the road, if you're going to do some of the things that MSU did. But in, in this type of game, you needed something more from him, and it just wasn't there. Yeah. And may, maybe the fatigue is in effect, but you got a game plan around it. you got a scheme around it. Exactly. And I think part of, part of it is not just putting up nine points – but as Joey said, not being a factor on the glass, and it all doesn't just fall on him, but also Kenny Goins and Xavier Tillman. I mean, Michigan State usually out rebounding teams, and they have then a plus eleven rebounding margin as a team. They got out rebounded forty two to thirty three in this game by Purdue, and Purdue isn't necessarily one of the top rebounding teams. They don't have the big bruising guys that Michigan State has, and I mean to get out rebounded like that on the glass, that's not a Tom Izzo Michigan State team. I think the beginning of the season, it was this team had all this depth and all this, you know, ability to have a lot of scores on the floor at the same time. But when you have Ward and you have Langford out too, those scores, those second and third scores, when they're gone, I mean, it all falls on Winston and he can't carry the team when it comes to a game like Purdue. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, and that that's one of the, the bigger things. And I want to ask you guys, I mean, Winston did everything he could. He helped chop the lead down. Michigan State had a big comeback, got it within single digits, all pretty much on him and his play as he came out firing in the second half. And the question looking at this one is, who does this team have to go to besides Winston? And with you know news breaking of Joshua Langford being out for the season now, do they have anyone else they can trust anymore, or is Winston just going to have to run it the entire season with no rest? Well, the MSU, I think, in some ways does deserve quite a bit of... of I don't know that they should be commended for the way they played that second half because it was maybe what their best one of their best two three stretches the entire season from cutting twenty three points down to four on the road in a place like Purdue. It's it's worth mentioning. It's worth respecting. But even to get it in the first place, I do wonder if you know with Langford's injury now, does does it fall on Winston? That's the real question. I think. Even when Ward is not going the way he does, I think you need a little bit more from McQuaid. I do think you need a little bit more from Aaron Henry. Uh, Izzo wasn't very complimentary of the freshman post game. Someone like Gabe Brown, I think, lost lost Ryan Klein for an easy three early in the second half, got benched the rest of the game. Foster Lawyer only played probably around a minute. You need someone to spell Winston a little bit more. It's If it's all going to fall on Winston and McQuaid for the, down the stretch in, in these big-time games come March, come uh, Big Ten tournament time, I don't know how much you can, how much he's going to be able to give you now. He right now he's playing like one of the best guards in the country. Winston is, but can he sustain that for twenty more games? It's tough to say. Yeah, going off that, Kyle. I I know Michigan State asks a whole lot out of Matt McQuaid on the scoring end and especially on the defensive end. But he is going to have to start averaging t- 10, 12 to fourteen points a game if Michigan State that wants. felt like a baseline game. Oh, you he, you need that from him. He the should rest be of the way. able. He should be able to put that out there and. I mean, Nick Ward is going to be the guy you're going to have to turn to. This is a guy who last year tested NBA waters, and in this year in the preseason, it seemed like a, a foregone conclusion that after this year he'd be off to the NBA or some professional level. I mean, him scoring nine points against, like you said, not the best front court by any means in the league, is it, it just can't be you know the standard. He's got to be going for 15-plus a game because this is a guy who was talked about as probably one of the better bigs in the Big Ten, if not the country, with – how he was playing to start the season. So, I mean, Cassius Winston's going to continue to play at this high level that he's at. 
But 39 minutes a game isn't going to cut it. I mean, he's going to just get worn down by the end of the game like we kind of saw with Purdue. So you're going to need other guys like uh, Matt McQuaid and, and Nick Ward and some of your bigs to be helping out. And wouldn't even hurt if you get a couple impactful games here from some of the freshmen. Gabe Brown, who might have to step up with three-point shooting with no Langford, and, and especially Aaron Henry, who's going to have his number called quite a bit now. Yeah, speaking of Aaron Henry, that's a guy who, with Wolf Langford out now and then especially in this game, he had to have his number called. And I, I think everyone has been very excited about his potential and where he's at. And that's it's certainly true. He is going to be a great player. But what really interests me and what kind of kind of frightens you if you're a Spartan fan is he has moments where he looks great putting the ball in the deck, getting inside. But the issue of, of lacking a consistent jump shot from three-point range is going to hurt this Michigan State team. I mean, that's something that Langford, although at times inconsistent, he at least was a threat from there. And Aaron Henry so far this season, I wouldn't say has been. Well, he definitely had looks in that Purdue game that were pretty wide open that you've just got to knock down. And I mean, I think Gabe Brown out of the freshman or out of who's left there, maybe just behind McQuaid and Cassius, is probably the next best three-point shooter. I know he hasn't really had a good sample size as of late with his deep shooting, but he is a guy who can stroke it. We've seen it before. I mean, Aaron Henry can shoot it. Whether or not it's going in right now, I mean, it might be some freshman jitters going through a little bit of a shooting slump, but he's going to be called upon to make some of these big-time shots. I think he can. You kind of get the sense that he you know, he just wants to get right back into the gym, he said, after the Purdue game. Six days off, that's more reason for him to get into the gym, work on his shot, work on his game. So you definitely know the efforts there, and he's really determined to kind of pick up the, the load there where Langford is not producing anymore. So, I mean, these, these freshmen, you know, starting the season didn't have a whole lot of impactful minutes, but down the stretch now they're really going to get acclimated to the Big Ten play. I almost wonder if this means now... Do you move Kenny Goins down to the three a little bit just to eat up some of those minutes that, that McQuaid and Arns might have taken away? He's going to have to. Because, I mean, if these freshmen aren't going to play, if Gabe Brown's not going to play defense the way he did at Purdue, you're going to need someone to, to step up on in that mm-hmm. area of the court. You need someone to play on the wing that can play a little bit of defense. And and you, the I guess the wish in that case is that Marcus Bingham was, would be a little bit further along because then you need someone to spell both Tillman and Ward if they're out the court together. Yeah, and that could be an interesting matchup. I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons we talked about Bingham earlier on in the the season when things were getting started and the talk was whether he was going to be redshirted or not. That's an added length that Michigan State can bring out on the floor that I think teams aren't necessarily going to have a game plan for because it hasn't been shown all season long. So I think that's a very interesting thing that Tom Izzo is going to have to work with. But either way, this this game against Purdue, a, a drop for Michigan State, a loss for them in the records. They finally fall in Big Ten play in their 13-game win streak. And we'll try and move on here and recoup with a home game against Indiana coming up. But before we get into Indiana and take a look at that game, we're going to be joined by a special guest. Now, this week we are also joined by a very special guest. He covers Michigan State and Michigan basketball for The Athletic and is the host of his own podcast, which is pretty great, if I do say so myself, along with Dylan Burkhardt of umhoops.com called The Moving Screen. Go ahead, subscribe on iTunes while you're subscribing to the Impact His Own podcast. The one and only Brendan Quinn. Mr. Quinn, how you doing? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thank you for uh, for having me. No Glad problem. To do it. Thanks for joining us. We're really glad to have you. But uh, you're in Iowa now, of course. Michigan plays Iowa tonight at 7 o'clock, correct? Uh, 7 Eastern time, yeah. 6 so. o'clock here. I have to keep reminding myself that. So I'm not <laughs> late, but yeah. <laughs> Well, nice. Should be an exciting matchup there. But we got some, some Michigan State questions for you first before we dive into the, the Michigan side that you cover. But um, starting out, so we just did a breakdown 
of per- the Purdue game. We did a big look at that. And before we get into our special special takes, we want to know what you saw from that game and, and what did you take away from Michigan State and how they played. And do you think this was a big loss for Michigan State looking ahead to their season? Did it show some glaring issues and things that can come up down the line? Um, I mean, at some point, you know, this. I think they were kind of going to run headlong into a, a game like this where when you're everyone's biggest game, um, you know, you're, you're going to find a road contest where it just doesn't happen. The shots don't fall. Um, you know, they, they didn't match Purdue from the start, I think, intensity-wise. And yeah, I think, if, if anything, there were probably just as many positive as negatives to take away. That second-half comeback was uh, was very impressive. And there are, you know, there are certain things that you can take away from it, though, that you say, okay, you know, how is this going to play out in the next 10 games? And you look at some of those things like just where Nick Ward is getting the ball. I thought this game was a really good example of, of him catching um, too far away from the basket and kind of being in that little no-man's land where uh, if, if an opponent sends a double team and his first move is to take two dribbles out to the perimeter and get into a trap, like you've seen these things that have happened before. Um, and you saw it in that game when things kind of went sideways in the first half. That's really what was, was playing out. And, uh, you know, a big loss? No, I don't, I don't think it was a big loss. I think it was a, I think it was a big win for Purdue. Yeah, and you look at Purdue, I mean, one of the reasons that they've struggled so far this season is that it's a lot dependent on Carson Edwards, but they come out with a very balanced effort against Michigan State, multiple guys in double figures, Ryan Klein leading the way with 17. And uh, just taking a minute to look at Purdue, they now move to, I believe, 8-2 and two in the Big Ten, climbing up the Big Ten ladder, and it's starting to look less and less like a Michigan State-Michigan conference now, but a lot more teams jockeying for a position to come for them. Yeah, and the big thing with Purdue is their remaining schedule is by far the best in the league. They don't have to face Michigan, Michigan State, um, or themselves, obviously. So um, that's that's a huge leg up on on the rest of the league. And you know, Michigan, Michigan State will at least do do some damage to each other. Um, but really, all Purdue has on the way out is they got a trip to Nebraska, which is tough. Um, I believe they go to Maryland as well. So you know, there, there's some tough games in there but they are just by the numbers they have the best schedule on the way out yeah and and turning to Michigan State you talked about Nick Ward and kind of some of the reasons that he struggled in this one and that was one of the biggest things we took away from this one which is his subpar play and and overall looking at his his junior season here at Michigan State this is a guy who's trying to play and be a pretty high draft pick and looking at him this season have you seen any growth in his game and with Joshua Lankford being out for the season now news being broken on that should he become the focal point of this team? Should he just get more touches down low to kind of help Winston get some more rest? Well, so, no, he shouldn't be the focal point. Cassius Winston is the focal point and needs to be at every minute of every game, essentially. Um, but Nick, overall, I think has had a, a really um, strong junior year. I think he's played well. I think he's had a really good disposition to him. Well, there were some you know, people questioned how his body language or how he would react to things that didn't go his way in games or, you know, how – how locked in he would be for a full 40 minutes. And I think he's addressed a lot of that. Um, he's in good shape. He's moving well. He's, he's listening. Um, he's not committing the bad fouls. Uh, I think he's had a really, really solid season that um, if Michigan State's going to go far, he's certainly going to need to probably take even a little bit more of a step forward, which would involve, um, you know, handling double teams better, making quicker decisions with the ball. And, um, 
and obviously, you know, his defense away from the basket when he has to guard ball screen situations, especially in those games on February 24th and March 9th. And looking at Cassius Winston, I mean, he's putting together an absolutely monster season, 18.5 points, 48% from the field, 45 from three, to go along with 7.2 assists per game. And looking at Winston, looking at the Big Ten first, are you, can you, do you feel comfortable saying, is he the Big Ten player of the year, and is anyone else close to him? Yeah, I mean, if he if the vote was today, um, I I would probably vote Cassius. Um, it's hard to guess what you know the other voters would do on the media side of things. Um, Carson Edwards and Ethan Happ will will grab um, a number of votes. You know, for Happ, I think well deserved, and for Carson, I think because of name recognition. Um, but then you have you know the the, the interesting situation is is Michigan and where, you know, this team is right up there, uh, just a, a hair out of first place by a half game. Um, you know, do their players all eliminate each other in this conversation? I don't know. You could you could certainly make a case that if, you know, if Michigan ends the season as the conference champion, if, if it can take care of business against, uh, against Michigan State, you know, what do you do with a guy like Xavier Simpson, who everyone in the locker room will tell you he's the most important player on the team and he's the identity of the team and blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know what you do with that, but you know, I, I really think a lot. There's a lot to be determined in that conversation. But right now, I think uh, Xavier Simpson has, or uh, Cassius Winston has been the most valuable player in the league, and I think he's been the best player in the league. With with Zion being what Zion is, and John Morant around as well, does he even have that that kind of outside shot at being a national player of the year type guy, or is it just one of those situations where? He's playing at a super high level, but they're just there's just more out there. For for that to be in the conversation, I think Michigan State would damn near need to win out, right, and and finish the season maybe as the number one team, and and he's going to have to continue to pump out some pretty spectacular numbers. Which you know, with Langford being out, that opportunity is certainly there for him to to do a lot. But he's already, um, I think he's the only player in the country basically who's averaging like over 17 points and over eight assists and shooting over 45% on three-pointers. Yeah, and news breaking, as I said, with Langford out for the season. And looking at this team without Joshua Langford, obviously it's been positive so far in the eight games that he's missed. Um, But looking more at it now that it's definite he's not coming back. You look at guys like Aaron Henry and Gabe Brown. And between those two, who for you do you think needs to step up more? between those freshmen? And is there anyone else that you're looking at to take a bigger leap in, sort of, in terms of production? Yeah, I, I would circle Aaron Henry um, in this, this part of things. It's really interesting. Um, the year that he's had um, for a guy who's now starting and has played starters minutes in a number of games and is, I think he's averaging over, over 20 minutes a game. Um, you know, he... He's only scored over double digits once, which I don't think a lot of people would think. You just assume because of all the minutes that he's played that um, that he's been a, a more prolific scorer. But, yeah, the, the 12 that he put up against Maryland, the only time he's been in double figures all year. And I think he has the talent to be in double figures most nights. So I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive with the ball. Um, he, he's basically still taking three, four, five, maybe six shots per game. Um, I think he can up that number. I think he needs to embrace a role as being a scoring option. Um, and that, that comes with time. I think he's really handled himself particularly well as a freshman this year. But, 
you know, I, I kind of feel like now coming into this weekend where it's official what's Langford's status, that this is the time for a conversation with, with Aaron Henry where you say, you know, we're 20 games in, you're not a freshman anymore, and uh, you got to go get yours. We, we need a little extra scoring pop, and you're the best candidate for it. And so far things have been positive with him playing – but like you said, with it definite, how how much did this hurt MSU's postseason chances? I mean, this is a guy who, although Henry and everyone else has stepped up in his absence, this is still a secondary scoring option who was a fantastic piece of this team and heading deep into March with Winston playing the minutes he is, not having another body definitely hurts. Yeah, I mean, the the impact to the depth, you know, where um, if, if this means Matt McQuaid is basically has to be locked in at, at the – the two spot, um, well, you know, there's going to be residuals there where maybe he can't give you those extra minutes at the point guard spot as a backup to um, to Cassius, and maybe that means Foster Lawyer has to play some minutes that you you might, you know, otherwise let let McQuaid handle, or or going the other way, you know, maybe this means a guy like Gabe Brown has to kind of play some more minutes um, at the three spot if Aaron Henry has to do other things. Like you know, there's there's a the ripple effect definitely is. I think that the greatest um, concern, but just in terms of the on the court product, when you look at the numbers, um, they're actually a little bit better defensively um, in, in the time that he has not been on the floor, which is uh, speaks a lot to um, to what Matt McQuaid has done. But also, I think everyone else has kind of stepped up their defensive performance too. Cassius Winston's playing probably the best defense of his career. Nick Ward's been better on defensively, so. Um, you know, it doesn't all just kind of speak to what Langford did or didn't do. But um, offensively, it's only been a slight step back. The, the bigger thing that you miss um, is the three-point shooting, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that, that Langford would do on any given day where you could say, you know, if they need to eliminate that anyway. Um, the long twos, some of the four shots. Um, but he was a reliable three-point shooter, and you need, you need to shoot threes to win in college basketball. So... Uh, as of right now, Matt McQuaid is making the same um, exact amount of threes per game that Langford was making um, when he went out with injury, 2.3 made threes per game. So um, if he can keep that up, that's big. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're losing a guy who's been there, who's taken big shots, who's been in big moments, and uh, it's certainly a loss. But I, I do think that they can uh, maneuver through it, and I don't think it changes the, um, maybe not expectations, but the aspirations for this year's team. Brendan, obviously we, I don't I guess not obviously, but I have seen some people already now with the Lankford injury saying Michigan State might not even get to a Sweet 16 berth here, and they've looked still pretty darn good in these last eight games with no Lankford. Uh, how big of an impact do you think his absence down down the stretch here in the season has on Michigan State's NCAA tournament chances? Do you still think, you know, a deep run is possible without their stud guard? Yeah, deep guard, or deep, deep run is certainly still on the table. Um, I, I think uh, it's you know it's college basketball, so it's going to be dependent on the draw that you get and what you do on any given day. You know, last year's team, what did it mean that they ha- they were fully healthy, right? The shots didn't fall against Syracuse and they lost, so that's really all that mattered. Um, you know, the the idea of of one player, you know, if they lost Cassius Winston, the guy who has the ball in his hand for sixty percent <laughs> of the time he's on the court, then yeah, I think you could say okay, yeah. you know, let's just you just roll the dice and hope that they can, you know, make something out of nothing this year. Um, losing Josh Langford, who was having an okay, not a great season, um, I don't think should um, 
deter people from thinking that this team can still do something pretty significant. Yeah, and you cover both Michigan State and Michigan, and one of the biggest conversations right now is who's going to win between the two of them. I think a lot of people are saying the conference. Is that a conversation that's going on? It's already coming down. I think so. I'm hearing some things (laughs) along there. I think back in December it might have started. Yeah, even before the season, those two teams. But looking at both of them, obviously you get a, a great look at both teams. If you had to, you had to hedge all your money on one team right now. Who's winning between the two? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't hedge my money in either direction. Um, the interesting thing about this conversation is you, you have to, you know, pass this prologue. If you look back in November, if they played each other, um, Michigan would have certainly won. It was playing a much higher level of basketball. If you look at them in December. Um, when Michigan State went on a bit of a stretch and Michigan took a dip, um, Michigan State would have won if they played. I think the most likely outcome is that they split on each other's home floor, on, on each other's home courts. Um, if one w- sweeps it, that would be incredibly impressive. But uh, it's going to be really, really hard to pick up a, a road win this year. So, I mean, I still think that the safest bet is probably a, an even split. If they played on a neutral court right now, um, I have I have no idea. With the with the one seed discussion, it almost feels like it's four and five for those two right now. Do you think it comes down to the conference tournament as to as to how those two get seated ahead of each other? Come, it's like say they split. What does it come down to in, in your eyes? I mean, because MSU has the eight quadrant one wins right now and the better resume right now, but it could all change. Well, I mean, there's also the fact that you know the the Big Ten is not slotted with a, a number one seed. Um, there's no, whether they both split and one still went the conference tournament, it still doesn't guarantee you um, a one seed with Virginia and Duke. Um, it's kind of the same as that conversation. You know, what if both of them got a number one and then you look at Gonzaga, if Gonzaga rolls and just wins out in the WCC, they're probably in line for a number one. If Tennessee goes and wins the SEC, you know, it's not just Michigan, Michigan state in the conversation for those spots. If one of the if one of these teams sweeps the season though and captures the Big Ten regular champion regular season championship, which would likely be the residual effect there, um, yeah, that probably puts you in line for a number one seed. But um, I think there's a lot more that goes into it than you know if they split and who wins the conference tournament. Um, you know, the you have to also remember the Big Ten tournament is played on the championship games that Sunday. So if they one of them do make it, you know that thing's going to basically be predetermined before um, before they even take the court that day. Mm-hmm. And you kind of talked about it earlier when we were talking about Winston and potentially being Player of the Year in the Big Ten. But looking at Xavier Simpson, I read your piece earlier that came out about Xavier Simpson and how he has become Michigan. Great piece, by the way. Um, but looking at those two guards, if, if you're starting your team. Who are you taking between the two? Uh, well, it depends on what kind of team you're building. Um, you know, I think uh, Cassius is a better shooter. Um, Cassius is probably sees the floor maybe a little bit better and can make a couple passes that I'm not sure Xavier pulls off. But um, Xavier's won every head-to-head that he's gone against him, at least in college. And Xavier is uh, maybe one of the best defensive point guards in the entire country, um, let alone just better than Cassius. Um, Xavier's, I think, a little bit uh, kind of stronger, bigger. Um, He's got a weird way of playing. I don't know. I mean, it's an impossible question. Um, It really depends on if you want to run the floor and do exactly what Michigan State does. Well, you know, Cassius Winston's obviously your guy. Um, But, you know, Michigan is 
a team that has more of a defensive identity right now and kind of plays in the half court and relies on on Cassius to to know this or uh, on Xavier to know the system and you know kind of pick his spots and distribute around everyone else. Like if you put Cassius on Michigan right now, I'm not sure how that would look, right? You got four guys who want to score the ball every time down the court on, on Michigan. It's a little bit different makeup. If you have a, a, a point guard like Cassius who can average 20 if he needs it, um, I'm not sure what it looks like there. So I don't know, man. I get asked this question every time. And uh, <laughs> the, the thing that, that kind of gets to me a little bit is that everything that the one does has to be measured by the other or seen through the lens of what the other is doing. And it's, uh, I think it's a disservice to both of them. Mm-hmm. Both great in their own right. And looking ahead, Michigan State gets set to play Indiana on Saturday, ESPN College Game Day here for that game, which a little strange, but they're here for MSU Indiana. And I, I want to ask you, looking at that game, Indiana has lost seven in a row now. Is there any chance of a close competition between these two? I mean, it's at the Breslin Center as well. Everything points to Michigan State running away with this one. But are you seeing anything for the Hoosiers that can show they have signs of hope for this game? No, I, I, I do not. Um Indiana can't shoot and it doesn't have a point guard and Michigan state can shoot and does have a point guard. Um, you know, I, I think you can put a guy like Matt McQuaid on Romeo Langford and um, at least have um, make it a long day for him. He's going to get his every time he plays and he's an exceptional talent. So you kind of have to live with a little bit with what, what he gets, but I think Matt McQuaid will do more than well on uh or more well than you know, most guys in the league do on him. Um, and then as long as you can just kind of bottle up Juwan uh, Morgan a little bit, uh, that pretty much locks down Indiana in terms of trying to stop their offense. Um, they have been kind of headless here for a while, and I've seen them in person and seen them on TV a number of times in this stretch, and it is bad and getting worse um, for a program like Indiana in the second year under a head coach to lose at Rutgers is pretty jarring. And um, they seem to be going, continuing to go in the wrong direction. So I'm not exactly sure uh, what their level of hope is in this game, but it should be a rocking atmosphere for state. And uh, they're playing pretty well. So um, I would be pretty stunned um, if it's a game late, let alone if Indiana actually pulled off an upset. All right. Well, that's what we have for you. We hope you enjoy your time in Iowa. Hope it's at least some semi enjoyable above there. freezing above freezing well above zero that's different we are above zero out here yeah for now well there you go that's a, that's a positive for the week considering how cold it's been but uh thank you so much for joining us go where can the people follow you at where they check out your work uh, on twitter it's at bf quinn and online if you want to uh, check out the athletic uh, just the athletic.com and there's usually a free ta- uh, free trial tab up in the top right corner uh, I recommend you hit that and then go see not only what I, what I do, but um, we have a national college basketball team that um, I think does as good a job as anybody anymore um, in writing about the game of college basketball. And we do national college football and cover every professional team in this country. We are in 47 cities. Um, so, uh, yeah, check out The Athletic, grab a free trial, and see if you like it. Yeah, great work. Also, I got got to shoot the shot while I'm here. I've seen some the athletic hats going around. Tried to win a Twitter giveaway, didn't work. Is there any way we can we can get the guy a hat? <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, I know that it took me two months to get one. Uh, <laughs> so you know, and it got a little faded by the sun last year on the golf course. So 
you know, I might I might have to be first in line, but if I get two, who knows? <laughs> well, and I saw Colton roll in there on Monday, and he just had the nice the the little quarter zip on. He was all ready to go. It seems like Colton's getting some of the privileges already. Yeah, you know, he's he's younger, and uh, you know, I think they gotta make sure that the young guys have the fresh gear, not us old has-beens like me. No one really cares if I'm representing the the brand or anything. You gotta make sure that the young, good-looking guys are are uh, are putting it out there. So. Um, they don't, no, no, no one needs me out there, uh, you know, putting any, putting a bad face on the gear. So I think you sell yourself short, give, give yourself some credit. Here. Yeah. Uh, best, best looking guy I've seen in any of the Michigan state games aside from myself, of course. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure Graham will be crushed. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, Renan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you at the next day game. Okay. Look forward to it. Thanks. Right. Jeff. Thank you. Well, big thanks to Brennan Quinn for joining us. That was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun. I'm telling you, I, I wanted you to say this before the before the segment started. It's the hottest podcast of 2019. Okay, 2019 is what? It's a, it's a whole month old now. I think you can I think you can get away with saying it. It's a hot podcast, but I think we're on the hottest podcast. <laughs> True, he makes a good good statement. It's it's the best Michigan Michigan State basketball podcast out there. How many okay. are there? How many are there? Well, now you're just you you're, do your research. You're 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 denying all my work here. You're you're putting me down. It's like making it difficult on you, Turk. Yeah, you it's, know, it's true. <laughs> Either way, a great podcast. But we're gonna transition. Michigan State playing their next game this Saturday versus Indiana at six p.m. The Hoosiers come in not not so hot. Yikes. They're not the hottest <laughs> show in the game. Yikes! Uh, seven game losing streak for the Hoosiers. Air twelve and nine overall. Three and seven. In the Big Ten, last time these two teams played was January 19th of 2018. Michigan State won 63-60, but that was at Assembly Hall. These teams looking a bit different this season. Some guys, of course, in the Indiana Hoosiers team, the freshman sensation, Romeo Langford, 6'6 guard, 17.3 points a game, 46% from the field. And then Juwan Morgan, the senior, 6'8 forward, 16.4 points a game to go along with eight rebounds. And you heard Brennan say it when we asked him to take a look at this game, but Things are all set up to just be an easy one for Michigan State on their home floor. 17, 20-point win. Ho-hum. Should be. I mean, I mean, you need a response. I think after a loss like your, like Purdue, and, and what better way to do it than against a team that has come off a loss at Rutgers. Sorry, Indiana, but you're it's it's looking pretty grim. Is that at the rack, too? Shout it was. Out, shout out to Collins. It's at hey, the rack. On. It's a tough the, place to play. Rack. Tough place oh, to play. Tough come place on. to play. <laughs> the rack. Rutgers is playing good basketball. It's true. I do agree with you. On not that. not the like most horrible loss. It's not like Rutgers. Like you you, you associate Rutgers with bad. Sure. Rutgers is not Rutgers right now. Sure. I get it. I get what you're saying. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Amanda spent spent a lot of time working on a preview for this <laughs> game against Indiana, and so you took a deep dive at this team. What you see anything from the Hoosiers that could lead huh. to a potential close matchup? No. I mean, it's just. Hopefully it'll just be MSU's way to, yeah, a response to the Purdue game and just kind of get some confidence, build some confidence up or something. Just There's no big threats on Indiana's team um, that Michigan State can't handle. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it'll just be like a pat on the back for them, boost, boost their self-esteem a little bit. But yeah, it's a home game. It's always a good thing. They like to be in the Breslin Center with all their fans, so. Game day two. Game day two. Yeah. yeah. Well, so one thing I'm very excited for Romeo Langford. See, yeah, one one of the best guys in the country come 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 to Breslin Center and watch him play. But like you said, Kyle, ESPN College Game Day is here for this game. 
I guess looking at the schedule, Michigan Michigan State matchup, Duke Carolina, they had to make a decision and it's all about which games on ESPN. You got to remember that too. Exactly, exactly. So, they come for MSU Indiana, not exactly the most exciting matchup, but they're here and one thing I don't want to go too long on this, but something I saw going on on Twitter was just the whole should Michigan State have allowed ESPN to come here thing. And just looking at you guys, I, I just want to ask, does it matter to you at all, or is this just something you just got to move on from? I mean, Tom Izzo, is the, he was the face of welcoming game day as well. I agree with, with Izzo in this respect in that he said on, I think it was either what, Monday or Tuesday of this week, you know, the people that at Outside the Lines that put out the, the reports earlier in the Nasser kind of news type stuff, that's a different part of ESPN than the part that says, hey, come out to game day and let's let's do this. Uh, he considers, you know, I mean, think about the guys that are on that show: Billis, Williams, Greenberg, Davis. Those are those are not guys that are involved in one certain side of ESPN. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm fine with it. I don't really I don't really care that much. He he covered it. I don't understand the whole like. I get it. I guess I I, I like, understand why people I, would be upset. I like rarely get it. it. It game day didn't have a single shred of responsibility for what was happening and what was covered with that. I mean. These guys, as Izzo said, are all close friends of him. I mean, this there's no better way than to showcase a university and, and showcase a basketball team in a positive way than having College Game Day come here. I mean, they don't they only go to eight schools a year. It's a little low. Yeah, seems I, low. I, I wish it's they'd low. start that a little bit earlier. Once once conference play starts, but no better. I understand why you don't do it the entire season. No that's, better that's way shows. to just showcase right. your university than come out in a positive manner and show support for your school and. And the guys there and everything. I doubt there'll be people there booing no. or anything like oh, that. And yeah. if they are, They'll those people, just regardless we'll get, where you go, are just not good people. They'll get kicked out. Yeah. But I'm excited. Hopefully, Reese, one of the Jays. So say what up. Just say what up to me. You know what I'm saying. Slide in the DMs. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Want to hit me up. But moving on from ESPN College Game Day and the game against Indiana, Joey Ellis, Kyle Turk will be on the call live on 80.9 yes. FM for that game. And then I'll be there. Trying to crank out a recap at some point for you guys. But and I'll be back at the station on the boards. Some, uh, oh, that's right. It's a whole oh. team effort. That's right. It's a whole that's team a effort. squad effort. Squad up for that. It's, it's, like they, it's like they knew the exact people that should be yeah. doing this game. <laughs> they got it down to a T. Down to a T. But Michigan State playing Indiana. The next game that we will also not cover as it's on Tuesday will be Michigan State traveling to Champaign, Illinois, to take on the fighting Illini. The last meeting for these two teams it was on January 8th of 2018. It was a win for Michigan State versus Illinois, 81-61. That was senior night for Michigan State a year ago. Uh, looking at the team last year, Illinois just hasn't been great. I mean, 14-18 overall, 4-14 and in the Big Ten. Ended up losing in the Big Ten tournament to Iowa, 96-87 a season ago. And this year, kind of the same story. 6-15 and overall, 2-8 and in the Big Ten. Uh, looking at players to watch, they have two Pretty solid guards and Trent Frazier, 14.8 points a night, and Ayo Dasunmo, 13.8 points a night. And 